Welcome to Engaging Experts, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with influential attorneys. Our guests will describe their practice and expertise. Then we will go deep on various topics related to effectively using expert witnesses. Hello and welcome to another edition of Engaging Experts. This is David Seeley, Business Development Executive with Roundtable Group and one of the hosts of this podcast series. Today we have another fantastic guest, Tina Shankorico, partner at Covington and Burling LLP. Tina is a commercial litigator who has handled numerous high-profile complex civil litigation and intellectual property disputes. She's a member of Covington's Evaluation Committee and serves as the Ombudsman of the New York City office. Tina is a fellow of the Yale Science and Engineering Association, a member of the Asian American Bar Association of New York, a 2015 fellow of the Leadership Council on Legal Diversity, and a member of the Selection Committee for the Don H. Hughes Scholars Program. Tina has a Juris Doctorate from the University of Pennsylvania Law School, where she was on the editorial board for the Law Review and holds a Bachelor of Science from Yale University, where she graduated cum laude with a double major in chemistry and sociology. Tina, we're happy to have you with us today, and I'm looking forward to our discussion and diving right in. But before we do that, here's our sponsorship message. This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Welcome, Tina. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. So I want to kind of start right at the beginning and, and, and let our listeners hear a little bit about your story. Uh, take us back to your start. You're a student at Yale University. You have a, a double major in chemistry and sociology. Tell us a little bit about your time at Yale. What was that like? And how you eventually arrived at the decision to go to law school and become an attorney? Uh, so I was raised in Mobile, Alabama, and, and moving to New Haven, which is where Yale is located, um, was a very, very different and big transition. Um, it's, New Haven is very different from Mobile. So in that respect, it was, it was a bit jarring when I first got there as a 17-year-old. Um, but through the course of my time, I, I really enjoyed being at Yale. I met a lot of interesting and bright people, students and teachers. I spent most of my time on Science Hill, but I remember, and I look fondly back on these frank, open discussions that we had in our classes on all types of subjects, where we explored ideas and thoughts to reach our own conclusions on different subjects. So I really enjoyed my time at Yale. I thought, I thought it was a great learning experience. Now, that's on awesome. law school, and that's interesting. I, so before I started college, I was leaning towards law school. Um, and I, I settled on law school actually while I was at Yale. I took some classes, uh, pre-law classes, pre-law type classes, and settled on law school, even though I was majoring in, in chemistry and sociology. I thought that the, the logic and the thinking in chemistry might be useful in law school and beyond. So I, I stuck with those two majors. Yeah, and I was interested in, in reading your profile about that the transition of, of going into law. So that, that's an interesting, uh, interesting way to put it. Um, I, I noticed, too, that you, you kind of got your start with a, a powerhouse kind of national law firm, Kravitz, Wayne & Moore. You were an associate attorney with them for, for 17 years. You were with them. Um, first of all, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what it's like and what you thought of as starting with such a, a top, you know, big wig law firm like 
Kravitz, Swain, and more. And, and secondly, um, you know, what, what was the journey like going from associate to partner and, and kind of moving up the ranks a little bit? So when I started at, at Cravath, which was in now about 20, over 20 years ago in 1999, um, it was a small litigation class. My recollection, it was on the order of 15 or so litigation associates that started in, in my class. So we were a tight-knit group from the start. And at that time, the firm had um, larger cases. So a bunch of us ended up working together, not necessarily on the, on the same aspects of the case, but on related aspects of the case. So it was nice because there was a lot of camaraderie within our class. The cases themselves were very interesting. Um, and, and I worked on a variety of cases from antitrust cases to First Amendment to securities to copyright to, to patent. So through the course of my time as an associate, I, I had the opportunity not only to work on a number of different types of cases, but a, a whole group of different clients. And then throughout the course of throughout the arc of my time as an associate, I, I was given the opportunity to manage cases as I progressed until I became a partner in the litigation department. So, so it was a great opportunity for me because they kept, they, they staff cases very leanly. So, you know, I got to see from the drafting to the managing, to the taking of depositions, defending depositions, working with experts, writing expert reports, taking expert depositions, um, doing the pretrial work, and then all the way into trial. So I, it was nice to be able to see the arc of cases, but also to be able to manage in a different in different scenarios through the course of my time as an associate, and, and now you're with Covington and Burling uh, LLP, and altogether, I guess what twenty one plus years as an attorney. And you know, I was thinking about in all that time, you must have some cases that that stand out to you that maybe are, are interesting cases or cases that just are memorable for, for one reason or another. And in that 20 years, are there, are there any cases that, you know, you stand out to you that, that, that are just interesting or you learn something or just memorable for, for one reason or another? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. There, there are a handful that stick out for different reasons. Um, sometimes because the subject matter is really interesting, sometimes because they were cutting edge at the time, and sometimes because uh, I just like the case itself. So I remember as a, as a first year associate, so this would be 1999-2000, I remember working on one of the earliest music software copying cases. So this was one of the earliest MP3 cases. And at the time, the law was not settled on, on what would be considered copying of software. Um, and so that was very interesting to me because we were think thinking through dif difficult issues. And from my perspective, it was new technology, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I also remember working on um, a famous uh, disappearing uh, image app and working for, uh, we represented one of the co-founders. And that was an extremely interesting case because it was challenging, but also because it was front page news. And that was really interesting. There was um, a different case for a different client involved. Uh, it, was a it was principally a trade secret and antitrust case. And our client had been accused of the theft of a whole host of trade secrets. And this was, I think, the first time in my career where 
I realized the, the real value of sort of sitting there looking at the documents and pouring through them because what we figured out is that most of the trade secrets that had been asserted against our client were actually ones that our client had created in the first place. So it was nice to be sitting in a room with people, you know, with other associates as we're pointing these out thinking, wait a minute, isn't that the same language that we're seeing on the list? So those are a few um, that I enjoyed. Uh, I think the last one that I remember, and, and that's because I found the technology really fascinating, was an assisted GPS case. I, I just really enjoyed delving into the technology and understanding how assisted GPS works and, and relevantly to me, how location services for my phone are determined every single time I move. So it was nice to be able to see the technology and, and its relevance to my everyday life. Fascinating, very fascinating. And, and, and I'm sure early on, like you said, with things still emerging and developing, that's that's so interesting that you were involved early on and, and had an opportunity to, you know, all those years ago to, to think where we are today. That, that's very fascinating. And, and thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, you, you talked earlier about early on in your career, working with experts and deposing experts. And, you know, many of our listeners realize that for, for 27 plus years, we have engaged experts and connected experts with attorneys as well. And, and, and we've just helped so many law firms and are so appreciative of, of those opportunities. Uh, how important um, are experts in the course of, of your work and your litigation matters? And when, when looking for an expert, what, what kinds of things do you look for? I mean, it, it's obviously not the perfect expert out there, but what kinds of things are, are you looking for and how important are those experts in your, your daily work? I have um, relied on and worked with experts over the course of my career, and I found them to be invaluable um, on, on certain cases where um, expert presentation is important to distilling some of the difficult concepts that may not be known to the trier of fact, as well as helping to explain and make clear what is known in certain areas and what is within the purview of an expert. Because I can say it, but it's not the same as when an expert who's got X number of years in a space says, this is, this is the way the math works. This is the way the science works. This is the way the technology works. And there's a certain um, value and importance placed on someone with knowledge in a space speaking, um, which, which dovetails into your second question, uh, which is what am I looking for an expert? And, and, and I think about it, um, and, and there are a handful of things that I look for every time I'm speaking with experts. And the first is obviously relevant experience. Relevant experience is something that, that I look for. Is this someone who knows the space, has been in the space by, by virtue of his or her experience, or uh, has taught in the space, but, but the body of his or her experience is one that um, puts, puts, puts the person in a situation to speak with authority on, on a subject matter. The, the second, and, and this relates to it, is knowledge. So the experience is not only in the space, but also as an expert. Um, the knowledge is in the subject, in the subject um, area. The, the third piece that I look for is credibility. Um, it, it matters to me that the expert is credible. At the end of the day, you know, our job is to advocate for our client, but in order to do that, you, you have to be credible. People have to believe what it is you're saying. And so credibility to me matters. Um, and, and, the, and the last piece of this is um, 
and, and they're sort of related and there isn't a, a word that I can, I can put on and honesty is the wrong word. Um, but, but someone who is, 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 has the sort of strength to, to tell me, no, I disagree. So, so to me, there are things that I, you know, as a, as a non-expert, there are views that I will have about the technology of science, but it is important to me to hear from the expert, well, you don't quite have it right, or no, I can't say that. So I need to work with someone that I'm confident is going to push back when I may have it wrong. And I'm not trying to get it wrong. The last thing I want to do is get up in front of the jury or, or anyone else and get it wrong and either put our client in the hotspot, put me in the hotspot or the expert. So it is important to me that the expert be one who is who has the um, fortitude, the confidence, um, and isn't shy about speaking up when it's important to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Good points, and thanks for sharing those. Um, you know, as I was reading through uh, your bio and all your your accolades and, and awards and things, one of the things that stood out to me that that I read as an aside as well on my own time was about the Don H. News Scholar Program, and and I mentioned that you were on the selection committee of that. And I'm just wondering, can you can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what that program is, what it what it seeks to do, and, and how you became involved in it? Yeah, so, so that program is very, um, very important to me. It, it, it's one that the goal is to identify and, and empower future Asian American leaders and, and to help address the reality that Asian Americans remain underrepresented in positions of, of power and leadership in the legal profession. And so what the scholarship hopes to do is to help, uh, you know, the people who are identified along the path of their legal careers. And so that's the purpose of the organization. And I also love it because I, I had the opportunity to meet um, with uh, law school students who are just impressive given their backgrounds, given what they've accomplished, given the hurdles they've overcome from refugees to people who have worked uh, you know, 20 hours a day while managing law school, um, working full time, uh, folks who have been exposed to significant discrimination in their in their lifetime. It's just it's an extraordinary group of people. And, and uh, in conjunction with that, my colleagues on the evaluation committee are, are impressive in their own right. So it's, it's a great opportunity for me to participate, and hopefully give back a little, but also to help the next generation of future Asian American leaders. And I got involved oh, because awesome. I was formerly on the board of the Asian American Bar Association, and I knew Don Liu both before my involvement in the Asian American Bar Association, but also during during my membership on the board. And he was kind enough to invite me to be on the uh, evaluation committee. Yeah, what what a great story and, and a great program. And um, I, I was intrigued by it. I read about it. I got on the on the website myself and read about it. And, and it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just something that's needed and, and well, well put together. Um, you know, let, let's shift gears a little bit to, um, you know, outside of work, you know, when you're not busy doing a great job and being a great attorney and winning cases, what do you like to do? What are some hobbies you like to do outside of work? Um, so I, I spend a lot of time now hanging out with my eight year old daughter. So, so that's a lot of my free time, which currently she's on the swim team. So that's a lot of our time. Um, but I love it. I think she's, she's wonderful. And every minute I have with her is fantastic. But setting that aside, I like 
to run. Um, when I have time, I like to cook and all types of different things. I don't profess to be any great cook, but I do like to cook and I like to read. So when I have time, those are the things I like to do. But Marielle takes up the vast majority of the time and I love it. It's great. Yeah, I, I have three kids, so I know exactly what you mean. You, you wrap yourself in their world and just enjoy every minute of it. And do you have a favorite dish you like to cook or anything like any style of food you like to cook more than, than other? Or? Uh, no, I like to try different things. Unfortunately, my daughter doesn't like to try many things. So, <laughs> but we're trying. She's getting much better at trying, at least even if she doesn't like it. But I like to cook different things. Well said, well said. Well, lastly, let me ask you, um, being in New York City is is you know, I love to visit the city. I've been several times. It's such a a great place to go. And there's just endless things to do and see and the history that's involved there. Uh, do you have a couple of favorite spots that you like to go to or a frequent or a couple of great areas? Yeah. So I, I love to go. Well, so we love to go to Central Park and Riverside Park. So we spend a lot of time there. Um, if she's not playing there, then I like to run on uh, on Riverside Park down towards um, downtown, which is, which is nice. Um, we also like to go to shows. So that's always good. Um, and I missed, I missed doing that over the, I like to eat out, which is always fun. Mariel likes to eat pizza. So we spend time at various pizza places, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the shows are, are right up my alley as well. So that that's awesome. Have you had a, any show opportunity that you just, I mean, obviously, like you said, you missed it the last couple of years with, with the pandemic, but do you have a favorite show that you guys went to or? Oh, I can't, I can't even think of one. I know the, <laughs> the last one I saw, I, you know, so long ago, the last one I saw, which I had actually seen 10 years earlier. So it was interesting for me to see it was wicked. Cause I was finally able to take uh, Mariel. So, so that was interesting because I hadn't, it was a decade since I had seen it and I saw it initially um, yes. when the initial cast was in it and then 10 years later. So that was, it was interesting to watch it through her eyes, which was, yeah, which was something that's that. And that's a fantastic, that's a fantastic musical. So yeah, well, well, listen, it was great to have you on today. I mean, I, I I'm so appreciative of your time and, and giving our listeners an opportunity to learn more about you and, and your practice. And, you know, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It was nice of you to have me on. Thanks for listening to Engaging Experts. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss our future episodes.